talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the Wow. <laughs> FY, there's nothing wrong. Swipe on high. Bye. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales Podcast. I am your host, Moses Soria, and with me to my left is my brother, Josh. What's up, guys and ladies? And sitting directly in front of me is, Ach- is Hysterical Achi. It's Giggles. Mr. <laughs> Giggles. <laughs> I was just thinking back to the video. <laughs> all right guys and today we are actually back talking about a topic and we're not enacting anything out anymore fuck sonny bean yeah so this week we're back to covering a topic and this topic is about death rituals oh death it's all about how different religions and different regions and different cultures have their own weird not weird but their own unique, unique. ritual when it comes to uh respecting their dead and how they go about the funerary practices. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to be covering today. We're going to be covering some Philippine like culture, you know, like Philippine death rituals. Or I'm going to be talking about the Viking funeral, the way the you know, Vikings took care of their dead. And Archie's going to be talking about some pretty cool, interesting ones, some jazz-influenced New Orleans Ooh, ones. Those are fun. But, but, but before you start, before you say anything, before, um, so I went online and I got a poem. It's a death poem, obviously, that I liked and I want to share it with you all. Do it. Now. Keep in mind, this is a death poem, so to have it more of a deep meaning to it, I want you to picture You're kill yourself the loved one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Bruh. Okay, I need you to think of of a loved one that you lost, whether it's a pet, whether it's your grandma, grandpa, father, mother, or a sibling. So listen to the voice and listen to the words I'm about to tell you. Do not stand at my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sunlight on the ripping grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. When you awaken in the morning's hush, I am the swift uplifting rush of quiet birds in circle flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not stand on my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. Written by Mary Elizabeth. We know that death is a final for the, for the physicality of that body. Yet the isms, the pet peeves, and the things that we love about them will always live on forever. In our minds, in our memories. Until forgotten, death is not final. So until forgotten, death. So if I forget you, no, you did. You dead. If you forget him, so so if yeah. I forget you, it's GG. Yeah, that's GG. All right. Well, that's, that's kind GG. Of, it's like go cool. Hey. <laughs> Make you feel some type of way today, night. Damn. That kind of reminded you know what we find. All right. So this is kind of weird. Well, not weird, but just completely off topic. We finally ended up going to the Cairo, you know, to the Egyptian Museum exhibit. The uh, yeah, and and. Tut. 
Yeah, the, the King Tut exhibit. And King we're Tut. and when you're walking around, they talk about one of their beliefs is how rulers, kings, and pharaohs live forever as long as they are being talked about. Once they stop being talked about, then that's when they really die. And that's just reminding me of it. Ah. Yeah. Who are you thinking of? I was thinking about Jesse from fucking Fast and the Furious. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's what, what I was thinking of. Them. I was like, Jesse? What Jesse are you talking about? Damn. Think about my dog. Yeah. Remember Rocky? Yeah. I remember Rocky. Weenie dog? Yeah. Homie. That made you feel some type of way. R.I.P. Little D. So speaking of funerals and whatnot. <laughs> speaking of weenie dogs. <laughs> speaking of weenie dogs. Speaking of wieners. Um... So I don't know if you guys know, but you know funerals are stupid expensive. Yeah. It is one of the most expensive things that any person can go through. Second to that would be or first to that, second to that would be a wedding. A wedding. Yeah. So when counting the preparation for the body, the coffin, the location, the procession, mass, and anything extra, you're looking at right around ten K. See, Frank Reynolds had it right from It's Always Sunny. Because if I die, just throw me in the trash can. I don't give a fuck. I'm dead anyways. <laughs> just throw me in the dumpster. I'm dead anyways. Nah, but then people are going to remember you, so you ain't going to be dead yet. But, you know, if you know you're going to hit the hay soon, better start planning now because it's getting more and more difficult to find a cemetery that will take you in. You think that finding street parking was hard. You have no fucking idea. But... You're just in luck because the guys from Eternal Reef are here to save your dead ass. Founders Todd Barber and Don Brawley were ocean environmentalists that realized that there's a major issue happening with, happening with oh, the ocean's ecosystem. The reefs where many fish and other ocean dwellers would call their dear home were being uh, destroyed or deteriorating for one reason or another. If this were to continue on, the ocean's ecosystem would be in terrible danger. After much, much research and rigorous testing, these guys invented what's called the internal reef. And these internal reefs are artificial reefs that are made by concrete and the ashes of the remains of your lovely family. I thought you were say you start chucking dead people into the ocean. Whoop! Dead body disposal. What do you mean? That's a Viking way. But now, remember the dilemma about not having enough space in the cemetery for you? Well, Barbara and Brawley wanted to give the families the opportunity to not only make a difference in the environment, but also for the loved ones who felt they had a deep emotional connection with the ocean. Since its first uh, was called Reef Ball, is what this contraption is, was created and dropped into the ocean floor in 1992. The company has undergone over 700 projects in 70 countries and right around 700,000 reef balls have been layered in the bottom of the ocean. 700,000. counting. So that's the last accurate number they have, but they have more. And those 700,000 are the ashes of the dead. Correct. Holy shit. How much does it cost? I'll get there. All right. I'll get there. Calm your tits, bro. So let's say, like Moses over here, you're convinced. And, you know, you want to be with Finding Nemo in the game. Well, what's the deal? How much is it going to cost? Is it similar to a funeral ceremony? Well, for starters, let's talk about the reef ball themselves. So Barbara and Brawley developed three different artificial reefs at three different price ranges. 
They basically go by sizes, but instead of calling them small, medium, and large, they have these fancy aquatic names. Dead, deader, and deadest. <laughs> How much money do you want to spend? So let's start off with the smallest reef ball. This is called the Aquarius Eternal Reef. It's between uh, two feet high and three feet wide. Weighs between 650 pounds and 800 pounds. Oh, to- no shit. It has to go to the bottom of the ocean. Right. No shit. All right. And this one, starting price. Just say $4,000. I don't know. But that... I I think people will be more convinced when they say $3,000, regardless of what the next numbers are, versus $4,000. Yeah. Okay. So that's a small one. That's made for like, you know, small pets, if you have any, or small human beings. Wait, doesn't... Do you guys know how much ash a human body creates? It... Are you talking about the weight? Or, just, or, or in terms of space? Well, I think my girlfriend told me because I think one of her relatives was, you know. Cremated? Cremated. <clears throat> and she was like, it's heavier than you think it actually is. Because you think it's just dust, but it's actually pretty heavy. Because, I mean, those are the remains of an entire body. Obviously, I want to say that not everything is going to be, you know, there. There's going to be some ashes probably that, you know, that either one couldn't fit in the ash jar or there's just like spread out. Or I don't even know how the process is to BH, but all I know is that it's just burned and then whatever falls out is what gets yeah. into So Google jar. tells me about five pounds for an adult and the weight can vary from three pounds all the way up to 10, depending on the size and the density of the diseased bones. There you go. All right. It's illegal to spread ashes? Yeah, so they're going to spread out. What the fuck? Why is it illegal? So this is a small one. The next one is a medium-sized one, which is called the Natellus Internal Reef. This one's three feet high, four feet wide, and weighs between 1,200 to 1,500 pounds. And this one is a Grand Moor, so $4,995. All right. This was made for, you know, large adults and maybe a pet. Uh, Maybe, you know, a sp- a, a couple, a spouse. And then the last one is the largest one they have, the Mariner Eternal Reef. It's four feet high, five feet war, uh, large or wide, and it weighs between 3,800 pounds to 4,000 pounds. This one's made for basically a family, like you, your spouse, and then like two kids. This one jumps up in price. To seven thousand four hundred ninety-five dollars. That's still cheaper than what, like, than more than a coffin for like one person. Correct. So now it's not just that. There's way more to it. Once you picked out your size and your loved one's remains were cremated, you go. It's a four-day process that you may or may not participate in. And I say this because during these days, you and your family are allowed to come in and basically mold your loved ones into these artificial reefs. So this is what happens. First and second day, like I mentioned, you're not required to go, but it's highly encouraged. You basically have the remains of your ashes of the ashes of your loved ones, and you spread it around this concrete, and you like you know mold them in there, do shapes however you want to uh, design it and whatnot. <laughs> no, it's, that's why it's like you 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 know we encourage you to come because you know this is your loved one and it's gonna be buried in the sea, but. It's almost like you're playing arts and crafts with your, you know. Ma'am, why family. are you molding a dick? Again, highly encouraged. You don't have to do this. Because I know some people could be like super emotional while you're doing this. And possibly like you're 
probably have a relative or someone drawing a dick <laughs> right before you drop it down. So that's day one and two. On day three, they have a viewing of the finished reef. And you, your loved ones, um, if they were part of the military and service, you know, they could have military honors and do the traditional caps. So, you know, the flag and everything. Yeah. And then on the final day, uh, the reef or reefs, depending if, you know, there's there are other families that were also doing the same thing, will be taken to the ocean and then the family will come in in a different boat to, you know, and just visit their, their burial site. All right. And yeah. Wait, so is the family allowed to be on the boat where they drop it off? So here's the thing. On that day, it's called Dedication Day. Um, a, a particular boat that has all these reefs, Amenity, yeah. take them, find a way where they want them placed, place them in, go back, and then a different boat comes in after it's been placed. Oh, okay. So you can't like be there when it's being placed and whatnot. But once it's there, then you come in and visit. Um, Do they I, just just chuck them? Does someone punt them into the sea? Just like start kicking them up? What? Well, I should know you two, can't. You I should know you can't come. They're like, heavy as fuck. Yeah, they're like three pounds. I keep thinking they're like the little Easter eggs that you. Nope. They, I keep thinking they're like little plastic shit. See, I can show you a picture of it. They're actually they look pretty cool. They look like domes, and this is there's there's like no like oh you know there's a long tradition. This is actually recent. You know, it was like some guys just saw like, hey, yeah, you well, know, you said it was like 92. 92. Yeah. It was in the 80s when these two guys decided, hey, you know, this is an issue that's happening. Let's think of something. And then once they got through development and whatnot, in 92 is when they, they, they dropped their first one. So. So what this basically does, it just creates a whole new reef. And you need metal to start a reef. You need metal. Yeah. No, oh, no they, it's concrete. It's concrete. No, it's concrete. It's concrete. Yeah. No, it's concrete. And they're called reef balls. And then eventually, once they've been in the ocean long enough, the ecosystem kind of just takes over. Yeah. just, just Yeah. And crazy. like stuff just starts growing there. Fish just start living there. And they look like legit reefs. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So for so for anyone, so for everybody listening, we're going to post all these pictures on our Instagram. Yeah. You have to find us on our Instagram. Weird History, Eerie Tales Pod. You'll be able to see all these reef balls and every and every other thing that we're talking about on today and every episode and like they also have like little plaques that that says who is in the reef ball basically because at first i thought like you know they had these waterproof um cremated vases or something and they put them inside of there but no they're actually you know they're made together with the concrete so not only you know saving space on earth because we're losing more and more space. But, you know, creating ecosystems for the ocean. So that's pretty cool. And that makes sense, too, because you guys know about the whole Momias de Guanajuato thing, right? Yeah. How all of those, so all the mummies is just basically the the, uh, the dead that, that people couldn't pay for. Because mm-hmm. in Mexico, you have to pay a death tax. Mm-hmm. Where every year you have to keep paying for them to be in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. not, well, they just fucking bury them out and just, well, now it's your problem. A lot of times when they were burying them out because of the soil and because just for one reason or another, just the way they were fucking uh, mummified, they were mummified into like these weird, scary positions. Just like, 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 I know you've experienced it, but like when people have panic attacks or something, how your body just involuntarily just starts 
yeah crippling into it well that's how they just ended the body just for one reason or another just starts balling up in these weird con- like contortionists mm-hmm. like they look like contortionists so that's what and these are the different sizes so there's a small one the medium one and then the biggest one going back to the biggest one you said a family could be yeah, yeah like like does the family have to like simultaneously die or you just wait it out? Good it's question. like, sorry, you're dead, good, you're good dead. Question. I don't wait till you die. The, when, there's like a little video that, that they announced just like kind of giving you a brief overview of, of this whole thing. It's like a 10 year plan. Like, all right, you buy the big one, you have 10 years for all y'all motherfuckers to die. They usually, <laughs> but you guys have 10 years until you die. The owners were saying that a lot of the times their customers, or I don't even know how you call them. But the people who, you know. Not customers. Customers, I guess. <laughs> customers. Yeah, somebody um, involved. So, customers. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, it's uh, cash flow. They hardly come at the time of when the the, fa- uh, the family or their parents or whatever dies. It's after a while, huh? It's after a while. Yeah. That it's makes like sense. these families have them cremated. And I guess eventually, you know, they decide, you know, let's do this. And so Instead of a yard sale, it. they're like, fuck it. Let's, let's dump to the sea. Yeah. Or like, yeah, you know, like instead of like in Beer Fest, instead of having... All the family earns <laughs> hidden in some secret tournament. You just throw them into the mix them with the cement mixer and just throw them into the sea. Correct. Well, in the Philippines, there are many different Filipino groups with different funeral traditions. For example, in the Tingwian group, the dead are dressed in their finest clothing and placed on the chair with a lit cigarette in their lips. I repeat. A lit cigarette. A lit lips. cigarette. Mm-hmm. What if you see like smoke pop out? <laughs> Wait, do I do that with everybody? Running. Like, if your your five year old son dies, you just prop him up on the chair. Yep, prop him <laughs> up and smoke a stove, bro. So like Wigan Bernies. And I tried looking the like the reason behind that, and I I can't find yeah. anything. But it's just one of the I guess unique ways they, I guess, uh, honor their dead. Yeah, the way they just deal with it. Yeah, like there was like one recently too. I think it was in, well, I know it was here in the States, but it was this lady who instead of having like a whole funerary thing, Mm -hmm. she had a party and she got her mom, she propped her up, they put makeup on her and they sat her down with everybody and there's literally a whole party and her mom's just stiff, dead, chilling. Everyone's partying, there's a DJ, people are drinking and there's pictures of this lady. This lady, she has her hair done, she has glasses on, obviously, but she's just like, just posted up on the the table. I was like, oh, shit. I mean that's uh, it's not, like it's not normal. Not, it's not that it's not normal, but you know, interesting way to celebrate the dead. I guess she's like, "Fuck it, we're just gonna party." That's so. <laughs> so would weird. you be able to party? Like, would you be able to party? I can't. Knowing that there's a dead person in the room. No, but that's how they were raised. That that's that's part of the culture, huh? I guess. Maybe right. Or I, I just doubt like, it. Fuck it. Let's. Maybe, um, she. It was like oh, like shit. it was like five six years ago. So that was one group. So they smoke a Filipino. Stove. Yep, they they smoke a stove, bro. Smoke a cigarette. Now members in the Benguet group blindfolds the dead and places them seated next to the entrance of their home. They're seated next to the, the entrance of the home, blindfolded. So, so they have just you see, put have them in the seat, blindfold them, right next to the entrance of their house. Have you seen a uh, Hey Arnold? The cartoon? Yeah. The grandpa? Well, I mean, maybe the grandpa, but the stoop kid. Fuck, dude, I, have, I don't the remember. The stoop kid? The stoop? There, there, there's a kid that, because I guess they call like their porch, whatever, their mm-hmm. stoop. Yeah. Because they're, they're in apartments and stuff. And this kid does not leave that area. That's why he's called a stoop kid. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and and 
do they are, do they just post up the dead like in the door for like all right he dies today the whole we're gonna bury him you know he dies today on Monday we're we're gonna bury him Thursday so we're just gonna post him up post for him Tuesday. Up. All right, so it's not like all right, he's gonna stay out there. Not for rep, not oh, okay. <laughs> not so it just rots away. <laughs> yeah. So that was that group, and yeah. then we have the Apoyo group, which bury their dead under the kitchen. And I tried oh, so hard. I tried so hard kitchen. to look the reasons why they bury under the kitchen, but I I couldn't find. Do you have intel on why they? No, but I heard about that one. I heard about that one. Imagine how ma- under the kitchen. Do, do you let me? Do they limit themselves to like, all right, we done. We we ain't got no more space here. Like grandpa, no. grandpa's head is seeping out from the freaking closet no, over there. You could fit a lot of people <laughs> underneath underneath the floor. Now the next group, it's pretty cool. It's pretty unique actually. So in the group in the Cavitons, they bury their dead in the hollowed out trunks of trees chosen by the deceased when they first become. So, so you get you know your, so if you're dying, you get to choose what tree. Yeah, what tree you, to get buried in, or to, into. And then, do they chop the tree up or do they close the tree? Do they just put like a sabana? Like, a, do they just wrap something around it, or are you just check out the images? Or are they literally just stuffing a dead body into a tree and just like fuck it, just call it a day? New Orleans. When you think of New Orleans, where's the first thing that comes to your head? Voodoo. You believe in the word food? Oh, do you mean black magic? Yes, yes, yes. yes That's good, racist. Good, 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 good. No, it's actually... <laughs> it's actually... Where's it from? Is it Call of Duty? When I think of New Orleans, I think of jazz. Mostly because, you know, music. I think know. of Anthony Davis. <laughs> <laughs> so, by far, this is obviously my most favorite type of um, death ritual, if you want to call it that. If it wasn't obvious enough, because, of course, like I mentioned, my musical background... But jazz funerals are insanely good, and New Orleans is notorious for this tradition. So what is a jazz funeral exactly? Well, it's basically a funeral procession. Families and loved ones walk alongside the deceased until they reach the cemetery. Now, I know what you're thinking. What the fuck, Achi? I thought you th- you know, you're bringing this depressing shit. Where is the cool stuff going to come out? Well, what if I were to tell you that you have a jazz brass band playing alongside this procession and they don't always play somber songs. As a matter of fact, most of the band's playlists consist of upbeat, jolly, hand clapping, foot stomping, head bobbing music. Sorry to cut you off, but when people say brass band, they just mean all the instruments are made out of brass? Yes and no. Traditional brass band just means like trumpets, trombones, tuba. Oh, okay. But modern brass bands is basically like a jazz band. Okay. You have your saxophones, you have your clarinets, you, you have a guy that, you know, have you have you seen a tamborazo before? Yeah. You know how there's a guy that has a bass drum and yeah. like the cymbal? He has that. And there's a, there, it's either just two, you have two guys, one playing the, the you know, the, the bass drum and cymbal. And there's another one that has the snare drum and a cymbal or a cowboy or whatever. Or you could have someone who has like a combination of both of them. And so that's what traditional jazz brass bands are. It's all like right, it's, cool. it's basically like a small jazz band that right. has like all those instruments. And so, you know, this tradition actually has its roots from across the Atlantic Ocean in Africa. African tribes believed that death of their loved ones was not something to be mourned about, but instead celebrated. They wanted to not only celebrate the wonderful life lived by the deceased loved ones, but also to celebrate their release from earthly um possessions and slash or responsibilities 
This tradition was carried over by African slaves and celebrated in very similar manners here in uh, North America. The jazz funeral, however, started happening right around the 20th century during the times of the World Wars. Of course, this tradition wasn't widely accepted and was highly seen as disrespectful to the dead at first due to religious beliefs. Eventually, more and more of these jazz funerals started popping up with the intention to um, not only celebrate the deceased uh, life here on earth, but to also um, help them find their way to heaven. For whatever reason that may be, you can't argue that these people didn't go out with a bang. So let me show you a quick video of uh, a jazz brass band, a jazz funeral. And this is happening with, I think, it was, it's one of my favorite trumpet players, famous trumpet players, Winton Marcellus. And I think he was mourning for one of his family members. It's super dope. And that's him. See, so you have clarinet, trombone, you have a snare drummer, you have tuba over here. I'm assuming they start off from the church and they end it in all the way to the cemetery. Damn, even if it's like miles away? Or 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 do they cut it like all right? We're only gonna do this for like like these trombones is pretty. They go. Fuck. They go. I so mean, I feel for these guys because I remember when I was in Linwood Middle, and I was playing saxophone. Nerd. True. I was super bad. <laughs> you fucking nerd. Super fucking bad nerd. And we we were like with what you call a parade band, where all we do is march and parades. We never like actually competed or anything like what, um, Linwood CJ does. did in, yeah. in Linwood High. But we would just go down parades. I remember I did one that was 10 miles. By mile two, I was fucking dying. I, my lips were just like swollen and blisters started popping up. Fuck. And then with the heat, <laughs> I remember our tuba player passed out. Well, fuck. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> fuck. I don't blame him. Was it a girl or a boy? It was a boy. Fuck. He's a big fellow too. But oh, dude, how dare you do that to my people? <laughs> he was done bro he was like out on the curb and we're just like fuck is that gonna happen to me too and she's like fuck it <laughs> the band kept going like they started off with 30 people <laughs> only seven ended up at the, at the end by like mile two it sounded bad dude everything's half-assed and it's for 10 miles it was with 10 miles and you were done ridiculous. by mile two i was done fuck. by mile two but i i pushed it by the end of it i had like me no blisters Horrible fucking blisters. Was it worth it? Fuck no. Switch <laughs> <laughs> gate, fucking nerds. Yeah. But yeah, jazz jazz burials, jazz funerals. They're sick. I, I would definitely want that when I get pat when I get the hay. Nah, I'm gonna mold your dick, bro, and just throwing in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, in South Korea, a law passed in the year two thousand that forced families who had the loved one that was buried from that, that was buried for 160 years or more to be removed. Wait, so if you had someone in your family that had been buried for over 60 years. 60 years or more. They're getting removed? They're getting removed. What? So that led up to being more of a cremation type idea. But check this out. Not only are they getting cremated, right? They created what's known as death beads. 
I repeat, death beads, which is a pressing of the ashes of their loved ones made into these beads. For $900, you can get them in pink, black, or turquoise. And you you put the ashes inside the beads? And you just no, they, 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 they press them. Oh, they, the ash, they turn the ash into yeah, beads. Yeah, they turn the ashes into beads. And you, just, and you, you do it, and then yeah. you can just decorate your, if you want to put it in the garden or, or just keep it in Tupperware somewhere. Uh, I, I know someone's like, yeah. my grandma was a bitch. Let me get, let me get, I'm a, this this is my new anal bead set. My grandma was a <laughs> oh, bitch. What the fuck? I didn't expect that shit. There's a fuck. billy, there's a, I, for a <laughs> fact, someone was turned into some anal beads and then just sold. Used like twice and then <laughs> just sold. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. All right, so now we're going to go. Ways back. Going, going, back, back. To Vikings, Vikings. <laughs> so, when talking about Vikings and their funerary practices, there's one classic image that even you brought up earlier. Achi, you brought it right. up. There's one classic image that always comes to mind. If not always, then more often than not. And this image is of a noble Viking lord slowly drifting out to sea in a boat lit with flames. Right? She's lit. Yep. But as iconic and memorable as this image is, it's wrong. This isn't really the case when it comes to Vikings. Myth busted. In fact, this ritual was a pretty rare one. And in Viking times, if you died, they would typically send you on your way in two ways cremation or inhumation. But more on that in a bit. The Vikings' pagan religions and beliefs obviously affected their funeral and burial rituals. For them, their death would lead the deceased into the deceased into one of the Vikings' nine realms. And if you're a fan of Marvel and if you've been watching Thor, you've heard of some of these realms. Uh, you like Asgard, Midgard, and then Helheim. You know what I mean? But these are the nine realms. One of the, the first one, in no particular order, is Niflheim, which is the world of fog and mist. Niflheim is the first of the nine is the first of the nine worlds, and is protected by a huge dragon called Nidhug. Then there's Muspelheim, which is the land of fire. It's filled with lava, flames, and sparks, home to fire giants, fire demons, and is ruled by the giant named Surtur. Then there's Asgard, home of the gods and goddesses. The male gods are called Azers, and the female gods are called Azenjurs. Odin, obviously, is the ruler of Asgard. Then we have Midgard, a.k.a. basically it's Middle-earth, which is located below Asgard. And Midgard and Asgard are connected by the Bifrost, which is where Loki was from. And Midgard is surrounded by a huge ocean that is impassable. Like, you can't go through this ocean. And... This ocean is occupied by a huge sea serpent, which is called the Midgard, the Midgard Serpent. Then there's Jotunheim, which is the home of the giants and consists mostly of just giant shit like rocks, fucking wilderness and like dense forest. You know, just when you think of giants, this is what fucking Jotunheim is. Giant shit. Then there's Vanaheim, which is home of the Vanir gods. And the Vanir gods is an old branch of gods. It's like the elder gods in the Viking lore. Mm. And the Vanirs are the masters of sorcery and magic. Wizards. Then, but yeah. Then we have Alfheim, which is home of the light elves. 
the light elves are beautiful creatures and are considered to be guardian angels. Then there's Svartalfheim, which is home of the dwarves, who live under the rocks, in caves, and under and they basically live underground. And Svartalfheim means basically dark fields. And lastly, we have Helheim, which is where Hela was kept. Uh, Thor's sister, if you haven't watched Ragnarok, which is home of the dishonorable dead. This is where all the lazy pieces of shit, thieves, murderers, and those the gods told to go fuck themselves, this is where they go. This is basically their version, the Viking version of hell. So, it was because of this belief that led the Vikings to take their sweet-ass time on their funerals and burials because they wouldn't want to fuck it up and not have their beloved fallen one to have an unsuccessful afterlife. So, depend, you know, so they don't want to fuck it up. So they took their sweet ass time when it came to burials, when it came to funeral practices, things of that nature. There are two realms specifically that were pretty much associated with the religious practices of funerals and burials, which is Asgard and Helheim, which is when people talk about Viking deaths and funerals. Those are the two realms that people usually think of, which mm-hmm. is basically heaven and hell. Asgard was a place for fallen warriors, soldiers who died an honorable death, and Helheim was for fucking Viking bitches who died from just doing bitch shit. Just doing bitch shit. Just like that. Like, you would go to Helheim if you died of old age. Because you weren't... What? If you died of old age, that means you were a bitch. You, di- you didn't do anything in battle. You could go to Helheim if you died in your sleep. If you died in your bed, like, that's not honorable. Fuck you. You deserve to die. What if you were in a war? Killed over 600 men? You survive this whole shit, live the happy life, and then you you die in your sleep. Well, you died a bitch. Damn. <laughs> so savage. I'd obviously be carted away to Asgard. You guys will go to Helheim. Wait, what kind of <laughs> bullshit is that? <laughs> hold, so, hold on, hold on. For, go back to the time when Josh turned into a zombie. Ah, we're we're we're, we're going all with this again. He's going to Asgard. Gosh. No, he's going to Helheim. Because he got bit. You died like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, when you died, you'd be sent away either one of two ways. Cremation and inhumation. The first method, cremation. And the cremation is basically just to burn the body so that all the flesh and bones turn to ash. The ash would then be scattered, buried, or sailed out to sea. And by cremating their dead, the Vikings believed the smoke would carry them to their rightful destination and their afterlife. So depending on how you lived your life, after you get cremated, the ashes will carry you into the rightful realm, one of the nine realms. Then the inhumation that was later adopted when the Vikings went away from their pagan roots and adopted a more Christian view. So inhumation was just to bury the body in its current state under the ground, then either place dirt or stones just on top of the body. You just basically bury them. That's the, That was the Christian way. Mm. You don't cremate them. You just put them on the ground and just put rocks on top of them. And you would see that in some movies. If you watch the movie, Vike, the show Vikings, things of that nature. There, and then there's a third way of that people get buried. It's a rare one, but it, ha- it has happened. And it's the ship burials, which is the image that I started my segment off mm-hmm. with. So, like, so 
Back to the ship burial I mentioned earlier in this segment. So the, so the classic image is of a Viking lord being lit in flames on a boat being carried by the ocean waves. However, in practice, that's bullshit because that really rarely happens and most likely it never actually did happen because the body had to be cremated before the ship was sailed. So if the body's already cremated, why is the boat on fire? Which the fire was meant to cremate the body. Mm -hmm. So there's like that clash or whatever. But for the times it did happen, this burial was mostly just for sea captains, the very wealthy and noble Vikings who were just basically obsessed with the sea. Boats took a really long time to make. Months. To make a boat? To construct a boat. So that's why it was, re- that, that's why it's even more rare. Like, if your dad died in his sleep, you're not going to fucking, he's already, your dad's a bitch. You're not going to fucking spend months <laughs> building a boat hell, hell. for, quote unquote, a bitch. Just to throw him into the sea. So, after they died, they were buried with some of their belongings that the living would think the dead would need in their afterlife. Like warriors, they would be buried with their weapons, like, for example. So, depending on how you lived your life, that would determine where in the fuck you would end up when it came to the Nine Realms. Brave warriors like myself, who died in battle, would reap the most rewards in the afterlife. You would go to Asgard. This belief, in many ways, freed the Vikings to walk into battle with no fear. And it was kind of like their goal for many Vikings to die in battle. How fucking scary would it be if you're in battle and your fucking enemy is so excited to fight you because they might actually die. They're not scared of death. They're fucking excited for it. What kind of a mind fuck would that be? I mean, would it even be a fight at, at all? It's what? like, get at me, Holmes. Nah, you get at me. Well, that's nah, not bitch. an honorable death. You have to fucking fight. So they're going to try their hardest to go at you as hard. So that way, you, let's see, hopefully you're man enough. You know what I mean? If I deeply <clears throat> believed in this, I, I would do a Viking flop. A what? A Viking flop. Like, you know how soccer flops where they're like, they take a hit for like a penalty or whatever. Yeah. I'll take a hit to go to fucking Asgard. You're going to go to Helheim for doing some bitch shit. See uh, what I mean? Guaranteed what? bitch shit coming from your fucking existence. So, I'll, be, I'll be slashing away and then to the point where they're almost going to die. And then I'll pretend like I'm going to do one final slash, take my fucking time. And he's going to kill me. And then, uh, like, your goal is not to die. In battle, because you're battling for something. But if you were to die, to die in battle would be the most preferred way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So depending on how you lived your life, you would end up in one of the nine realms. For example, Valhalla, the place for only warriors to go. If you fail in battle as a brave warrior, then entry to Valhalla would be granted to you. So if you died in battle... Gates of Valhalla will open to you. To Valhalla. And come on in. Then there's Folkvanger, which is another place where brave warriors could live in the afterlife. It was a field ruled over by, the, by a goddess, and she would be able to choose 
half of the dead soldiers who died in battle to live in this realm, the uh, the Falkvanger. Basically, just an open field. That's where most warriors would go, Valhalla or Falkvanger. Then there's Helgafell. Wait, 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 wait. That's it? It's only an open field? Well, as a warrior, it's like an open field, so you're able to keep fighting as a warrior. That's like your version of heaven. Oh, you got me fucked up. <laughs> Imagine doing that. Take me to Valhalla, bro. So then there's Helgothjell, which is Skyrim, bro. So it's the holy mountain. It was a nice place to live. And this is where you would go if you did not die in battle, but you lived a good life. So if you lived a good life, so let's say, for example, you fought your whole life. Survived. Survived. Mm-hmm. And you don't die in your sleep. How else do you die? Disease, oh. you know what I mean? So or that's, oh, that's still bitch shit. Sleeping, dying in your sleep is a goal of mine. You died by a fucking flu. You died by the common cold. It wasn't, you died. But you died. As you a didn't bitch. Die, you didn't die like a bitch. Oh my you can't fight your own body. All right? Standards to bitch shit? You'd be like, <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh, you gotta die with a fucking, <laughs> and then lastly, you'd go to Helheim. Helheim. So, for you dickheads, no, Helheim was cold and dark and ruled by hell. Sounds like your room. <laughs> Helheim was reserved for you assholes. <laughs> you <laughs> assholes. Sounds like your room, bro. <laughs> that died in a bitch ass way. And I'm on the flute, bro. It was a bitch. <laughs> and there's so though, so depending on how you lived your life is how. You would spend the rest of your life. Yeah. So Viking culture was, if you're going to die, fucking die in battle. So either the goal was to die glorious. So that's Yeah. Which is why Thor, you know you know what I mean? Like, I think it's one or two. I forgot which one it was. Where Thor actually was like, if I die, I want to die in battle. I forgot what one of the Thor movies it was. But, but I feel like it was one of the, the first few Thor. It's not Ragnarok, that's for sure. Or maybe it's the comics. I forgot. But that was one of his things. I think it was the comics. I think it was the Gore series where he was like, if I die, this is how I want to die. Okay. So he goes out and fights this Gore guy, gets to get his ass beat, and becomes a slave. But that's n- neither here nor there. Wait, isn't it the beginning of Ragnarok? Yes, but he let himself get caught so he could fight. Right. Yeah. But that yeah. isn't, what, what's his name? It was Gore guy, right? No. No. No, no. I forgot what the name of this guy. Gore. Gore was a god killer. That is one of my favorite comic series of fucking all amazing, fucking time. Really? Yeah. Well, the ending? The ending? Oh, my gosh. So, I, Shut so, up and read it. So long. Stupid. I actually have it, too, if you want to borrow it. So oh, do you have it? Yeah, I have the. Let me reread it. So Fuck this. Long, dibs. So long, so long story. It's Hell two volumes. Bitch. Shut up, bitch. <laughs> it's two That's volumes. Bitch. It's two paperback trades. Bitch okay. volumes. Uh, they're not that thick. but Pretty thick. I swear. So basically the story is there's this guy named Gore, uh-huh. and he lives on a planet that hasn't rained in forever. So there's no rain, there's no crops. California. No, it rained in, it doesn't, it hasn't rained in like centuries and like decades. There's no animal, animals are dying because nothing to drink. So his people are wandering. They're just wandering. Dude, they're eating, they pick up rocks and eat whatever's underneath the rocks. That's how they're fat, that's how they survive. Whatever Damn. insects at the bottom of rocks, everything else is dying. Damn. So he had, so one of his daughters dies or someone in his family dies and they get and they bury them and they start continuing looking for somewhere else to live somewhere to see this food. And someone in the and someone says like, "Oh, 
like, oh, someone's like, oh, our gods are going to treat us good one day. And he gets mad. He's like, fuck this. There is no God. Don't you guys understand this shit? There was a God. We wouldn't be like this. Fuck the God. So, yeah, basically that's what he says. He's like, fuck the gods. I'm going to kill every single. I'm going to get strong enough so I could kill every single God there is. And that's what, and that's what happens. Jeez. He gets strong enough. And he goes around and starts killing gods. Damn. And that's basically the whole premise of the book. Is he like a demigod or? No, he's just this dude who becomes. Read it. Read yeah, it. You have to read it. Went Super Saiyan. Read so it. Basically, One Punch Man. No. 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 Oh, I mean, technically, yes, because he, oh. he did train himself to get that strong. He's killing all sorts of gods. Like, he got so strong. Well, he, he got bald, bro. So <laughs> strong. All his, his hair follicles fell off. He was so strong that it took past Thor, present Thor, and future Thor to kill him. This this fucking god killer? Yeah. What the fuck? The god butcher. Yeah. But back to, you know, away from Thor. The butcher. This is this is an interesting little story. So one eyewitness account tells the story, tells the story of the burial of a lord. One of the chief's female slaves volunteered to join him in the afterlife. This slave was closely guarded while also given a large amount of intoxicating drinks. The chief's body was laid on a ship surrounded by weapons and the meat of two sacrificed horses, a hen, and a rooster. This is where it gets a little fucked up. Well, this is where it gets fucked up. The slave girl was sent from tent to tent to have sex with the various men of the camp. And they said to her, tell your master that I did this because of my lo- because of the love I have for him. It was believed that this would transmit life force into the dead lord. The slave was then taken to the ship where she was beaten and raped before being hung and stabbed. The entire ship was then set ablaze, and once it had burned away, they erected a barrel over the ashes and carved the name of this chief into a piece of wood. The fuck? <laughs> fuck, man! What kind of... Why? Fuck a Viking. What the fuck? Fuck a Viking. Fuck Helheim, too. And fuck you, too. <laughs> I can't, I can't hear you oh, all the way in Valhalla. Valhalla's his dick, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you have dick. Man, the fuck? Valhalla, that's, <laughs> that's where you're going to be at, bro. Suspended burials over in China. Considering, you know, my segment of the show, this tradition is by far the oldest of the three that I have mentioned, or the two that I mentioned previously. On the mountain cliffs in Gongxian in Sichuan province in China lies hundreds of ancient wooden coffins hanging on the side of the cliff. Some believe that they were hung on cliffs to be within reach of the gods, while others theorize that it was to keep animals away from their dead. That's right. Coffins are suspended across the face of the mountain. And so, 
This happened about 3,000 years ago. And there's a, a, a people that were called the Bo people. And they're the ones that decided that, hey, we should bury the dead on the sides of the cliffs. Around that time, it was pretty fucked up because I think it was the... Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, it was a Ming dynasty that basically obliterated these people, the Bo people. And so, unfortunately, because of that, there isn't any lineage uh, from there that will let us know reasons as to why these people are, are were buried on top or on the sides of the cliffs. But there's different variations of how they're buried. One of them is the, the most common one, which they have basically wooden planks that are stuck within the mountain, uh, the face of the mountain, and they just pretty much stack a coffin on top of that. Others are also buried, you know, on just basically on top of the cliff. There's a like a little piece of rock or something hanging off the, the side of the face of the mountain. They just put it there. And then others are basically whatever caves or crevices they could find and just took them in there. There's another reason as to uh, why they were buried on top of the, the, or on the sides of the cliffs. There's speculation that depending on where it's placed, that higher up it is placed on the side of the mountain, the higher in status they were in their life. In life. All yeah. right. Uh-huh. So y'all be at the, the ground bottom. Y'all no, be at the bottom. No, that's you. That, that's and so, definitely not me. You know, eventually, because these are, they're so flimsy. Like, look at how they look. Well, just literally. Just not, even that they're fl- not even that they're flimsy. I mean, they're probably when they put them up, they were fucking good. But it's been how fucking long? 3,000 years. Yeah. I'm actually surprised there's still fucking coffins up in that fucking and, the mountainside. And that so, cliffside. There, so there's like people trying to make sure that they hold them there as much as possible. So they go ahead and rebuild. Things. Yeah. Oh, that's and cool. do things like that because in recent years, like there's been coffins just falling down because <laughs> termites. they've been yeah. Yeah, deteriorating and whatnot. But yeah, this is really interesting. And obviously because, you know, the bow people just got wiped out by the Ming dynasty. No one really knows what's the actual reason as to why they decided to do that. Besides like the, the reasons mentioned. For the status of their yeah. yeah. Status, reach, you know, yeah. the right. gods or avoid, you know, deteriorating by animals that might eat them and whatnot. But yeah. It's interesting though that that they've been there for that long. Super crazy. And there's estimated about 160 total. Oh, shit. So it's still a good fucking amount left. To this day, there's still 160? No. Nah, I mean, they're, they're dwindling down. But so the last counted number was 160. I wonder I wonder what the number was at its peak. Right? Because, like, if you, you notice. smell? If you know. Right? If you notice, there's, like, a bunch of, like, pits there. Yeah. I would think that those were other coffins that were also there. That just like fell down. And there's some of them, like for example, right here. There's just an empty space. Just an empty space. Yeah. Can you zoom in on it? Yeah. Real quick. So you see how there's like a bunch of like just holes. Uh, the plates, yeah. yeah. And there's like yeah. some right here, just the just planks, planks themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the bow people in China suspended coffins. I just got a text that bummed me out. What? Vinnie Paul just died. What? Yeah, Vinnie Paul just died. The drummer of Pantera. They just announced he died at the age of 54. 
the drummer. Yeah. Vinnie Paul. Vinnie Paul. They just announced Off he died. No, there's no, and he just died. Like they haven't released any statement yet. When was this? Right now? Yeah, just right now. What? So fuck you, Victor, for bumming me out mid episode. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so now it's. Just talking about death. Oh my God. That's crazy, right? That's crazy, right? Oh, this guy? Yeah, Vinnie Paul. So now, yeah, so now it's. I remember his, uh, his, uh, his quote on, on the revolver. It's. You know how there's fans questions yeah. and shit? They ask, oh, so how do you grow a good beard? Oh, wow. He's like, eat more pussy. I was like, damn, yeah. to this day, I remember that shit, bro. Yeah. But fuck, man. First Dime, now Vinny. The one that, the piece of shit is the one that's still alive. Phil. Is that the singer? Yeah. That piece of shit's still alive. When when did Dimebag Daryl die? 2006. I remember that. 2006. I remember I was at school. Everyone was talking about it. This was before cell phones. If you didn't have a cell phone, it was a flip phone. And you did not want to go on the internet when you had those fucking Fuck flip phones. phones It'll take internet. like 20 minutes for you to get on and get back off. And those 20 minutes cost you like 40 bucks. Correct. <laughs> so there's no way to verify. So then I was, people were like, damn, Dime, back, you know, Dime was shot last night. I was like, fuck, you know, I didn't. At the time, I was, I was really into Pantera. My brother was into Pantera too. Yeah. I was obsessed. I had his guitar and everything. I was, I wanted to fucking be dime bag. So I was like, "What the fuck?" So then oh, that's I, right. I remember it was a black guitar, no? Yeah, I had, I had it. I didn't have it. I had his Washburn. Didn't uh, true. Didn't uh, Willie have one too? No, Willie didn't have one. He didn't have a not uh, uh, not a dime. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I remember he ended up he, he died, and then that that. So the next day they were talking about it at school. I was like, no, he fucking didn't. Like, he has a fucking bullshit. And I went home. And I remember that day I was looking at the news. No mention of it. I was like, all right, if a rock, if, if he's a rock star. If a rock star dies, he's going to mention it. No one, nothing mentioned it. No one mentioned it. I was like, all right, fuck. Everyone's fucking lying. I remember UPN 13 at 11 o'clock. That's when we would turn off our TV. I was about to turn off my TV. And they ran the story that Dimebag died. I was like, fuck. Right, right, right before I, I got to go to bed. sleep with this bullshit. I was like, oh. what the fuck? Fuck, and then the next day, you know, we went to school, and then yeah, that, was, that's how slow media was back in the day. Yeah, he just yeah, he just died like not even an hour ago, and, and people are texting me like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the news just fucking ran. Yeah, but he just Vinnie Paul at the age of fifty four. Damn, that sucks. Yeah. I was just Damn. getting into Pantera. I was bro, we were us getting into Pantera. Bro, we were obsessed. Well, you know what, bro? Let's. We'll play something after because we don't want to get taken down off iTunes. Yeah, so, dude, I had a literal wall full of Dimebag pictures. I mean, from roof to floor. Nothing but Dimebag pictures. It's mainly of his bulge. Yeah, just close up (laughs) shots. Just a close up shot of his bulge. I think think you still have that Pantera sweater somewhere in your closet. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, that pen, that okay. sweater is. How old is that sweater? Easily twelve older years than, old. It's older than my sister for sure. My sister's, el- my sister's <laughs> eleven. And oh, how old is that? Oh, I'm pretty sure it's older than my it's sister. Older than my sister. <laughs> how old is she? Eleven. All right, by eleven, yeah. twelve years. <laughs> but damn, yeah, Vinnie Paul just died. That sucks. Uh, so I mean, is Pantera even Pantera at this point? Oh, the Pantera had, oh, been gone. had broken up in like two thousand. No, but was he? S- he was still playing with his band. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah was like the super group. It was like the singer singer of Mudvayne. He was the singer of Hell Yeah. What? He had uh, 
like people, someone from like oh Anthra- Scott Scott Ian from Anthrax was like the guitarist. It was like a super group of like all these metalheads that want to play like country infused. You know what I mean? Like country infused like metal hard rock. It was like a huge hard rock group made up of like metal superstars. Sounds crazy. They sucked. I mean, I didn't <laughs> like it. I didn't like he it. He sucked dick, but but fuck, dude, he died. That fucking sucks. I think it's perfect timing. I mean, fucking, I guess it's perfect timing. Nah, man, it can't be seen. Suspended what are the odds, China. dude? You know, we're, yeah, we're, 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 we're having this episode about death rituals and on then, death, and then yeah. So it's gonna be, so it's gonna be an interesting day tomorrow. Interesting read tomorrow. See what everyone's gonna say. I want to know what the fuck Phil's gonna say. That piece of fucking shit. Why? Him and him and uh, Phil and uh, Timeback. Vinny, Vinny, they, they just didn't talk to each other at all. Yeah, just because Phil's the reason why Pantera broke up. Yeah. So she's like, "Fuck you, fuck these hoods." Yeah, and then Phil was talking shit about Dime and Vinny forever, and then Dimebag died, and then Vinny's like, "Oh, it was like my brother." Vinny's like, "Fuck you, you were talking shit for like the past six fucking years. Suck my dick." So they never got to see eye to eye, and we never got a Pantera reunion. They were talking about making a Pantera reunion. Dimebag died, and then people were like, shit, there's going to be no Pantarian. And then Zach Wilde, fucking Black Label Society guitarist and Dime's best friend, they were like, if you guys want to do a Pantera reunion, we should do it. And it'll be me and Carrie King will switch off and on guitar duties hey. as, a, as an homage. And then yeah. he's like, fuck no. I ain't doing, I'm not playing with fucking Phil. I fucking suck my dick for, from here on till forever. I don't want nothing to do with him. Because he's, he's the reason why Pantera broke up, and yeah. Pantera was started by Vinny and, and Dime. Mm-hmm. They were a fucking glam metal band in the early 80s. There's pictures of them with like spandex and puffy hairs. What like are they nuts. called? Puffy, puffy. They were still called Pantera. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Give me a year. Go to uh, Pantera Glam Days. Just type that in and you'll be able to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Pantera, the glam that band. Sounds, sounds so weird. The glam days. Yeah, they're just, glam days. Yeah, they're, they're a fucking hair metal band. Yeah, look. There it is. <laughs> that, that's Dime in the middle, in the red. He was 16 years old at the time. As Rex Brown on the far right. That's Vin- fucking Dime? That's Dime. At the, at the time, what he was. What the fuck? At the time, he was called Diamond Daryl because it's a glam metal band. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's when Phil joined. Phil's the one with the, with the, with the jacket. With the denim jacket. He was like, I was never He's like, fuck, fuck glam metal, la, la, la. Then he's like, fuck you. We have pictures of you with your hair like that, you bitch. Yeah, they were called Pantera. They had like fucking five albums. They were like the super underground band. And that's, yeah, that's Pantera as we know. And then he became Dime So he, he's the one yeah. that. For the dr- <laughs> yeah. They became the rock stars. Yeah. He was doing drugs and. At the time, he was doing a he had like a punk metal band called Superjoint Ritual. You remember Superjoint? Yeah. And he threatened them. He's like, "If I don't get to do Superjoint Ritual, then I'm quitting fucking Pantera." And like, dude, you don't have to threaten us. Just go. We're just saying, go do Superjoint Ritual, but Pantera's your main thing. And then he started that doom metal band, that Southern doom metal band, um, down. And then shit just went downhill from there. But yeah, fuck, dude, Vinnie Paul just died. Fuck, R.I.P. So check these stats out. Speaking of death, every there's a 1.78 deaths per second. There's 107 deaths per minute. 
there's 6,390 deaths per hour. There's 153,000 deaths per day. And there's 56 million deaths per year. This happening, this is what? I think in the U.S. Dude, that ain't shit. 56 million? That's not, that's what? 5% of the Earth's population dies a year? Oh, no, that's the world. That's actually the world. That's not even the U.S. Oh, yeah, yeah. If the U.S., I'd be, I'd be an alarming rate. That's like a quarter. <laughs> we <laughs> all did. Yeah, that's a quarter. I'm like, how much do the U.S. Mean, have? Like three that's something? A, that's like a fourth LA. Relax. LA only has like 30 million. Oh, really? Yeah. I have more. No, California has like some. Man, California. Imagine the amount of people living in California died a year. <laughs> Fuck. There's 3.9 billion deaths per se, uh, 70 years. We have something that's called the Zoroastrian Vulture Funeral, and it's practiced and done by the Zoroastrians as a tradition for the ones they lost to death. What's it called again? Huh? The Zoroastrian. All right. Zoroastrian. That's basically... Vulture Funeral. That's the Sky Burials, right? That's basically what it's called? The Sky Burial? I think that's what it's called. The nickname of it. Mm, I think. All right. No. No, I'm just... Yeah. My bad. Okay. Uh, Let him do his job. Yeah, stupid. Just wait. Damn. Bitch shit, bro. That's you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, keep this in mind. In the Zoroastrianism, death is considered to be the work of evil, and it is the embodiment of something called the Angra Menu, um, also known as a destructive spirit or demon. Okay, that being said, the Zoroastrians built what is known as Towers of Silence. I think that's what you were talking about? Maybe. They will lay out the corpse. And expose it to sun and vultures to be eaten away. Why, you ask? Well, they believe when you take your last breath and there's none left, the body becomes impure. And if it's impure, you cannot stain the earth and its elements with its corruption. For it is considered sacrilege. Oh, that's kind of dull. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of cool. And, but there's more detail into it. Like, for example, before the corpse is placed and exposed in this Tower of Silence... It must first be prepared and viewed. The body will be washed in what they call Gomez, which is literal bull piss, and mixed with water. What the fuck? Yeah, the clothes and the place where he will be viewed and prepared will also be washed. People visiting are allowed to pay their respects and say their last goodbye to the body. But touching the corpse is forbidden. They will also perform a ritual known to them as Sagdid, Sag meaning dog, and Did meaning to see. It's an essential part of the Zoroastrian funeral ceremony to bring a dog to the presence of the corpse to keep away demons. Three a dog? Mm-hmm. As for these demons will fear, I guess dogs? Mm-hmm. Check this out. The only place the tradition is still legal is only in one place, and it is in Mumbai, India. India's largest city. So you're still allowed just to throw the bottles on the like on the side Perform. of the cliff? No, well it's it's like in this tower. Let me show thing. you. Oh yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about now. Okay. That's the tower. Uh-huh. Yeah. And look at how this is just a drawing. Yeah. Look, look at how it looks inside. That what that picture that you just showed, that picture, that one. Mm-hmm. There's a pic so I'll just show us this picture about this ring or whatever. And there was a, like a huge conspiracy thing behind that picture. 
Mm-hmm. Damn, that's, that's nuts. Oh, yeah, I'm com- completely confusing it with something else. There's another burial uh, ritual where the people will just lay out the dead out on the side of a cliff. And vultures will just come and pack it clean and leave it out there for like three, four days. Oh, uh, yeah. For the sun to make the, to discolor the bones. And then the vultures will just eat the flesh and then they'll just be like, there you go. Yeah. 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 I that's, when you were, that's the sky burial. My bad. Yeah. yeah I, I kept confusing it. That's happening in Tibet. So, as you've heard from my brother, myself, and Achi, every culture has their unique way of honoring their dead. Death rituals, each varying from one another. Most of these rituals involving levels of intimacy that we, here out west, would think to be strange and unthinkable. But only because traditional American funerals are kind of basic. The, they usually include some sort of religious, rit, of religious ritual, followed by a procession to the burial grounds and then a small ceremony at the grave. We also like to announce to the world about our beloved disease, deceased through our death announcements. Through, and AIDS. I was like, what disease, bro? Yeah, through the through our beloved deceased through our through death announcements that we yeah. call obituaries. Mm. Each death ritual is directly tied to beliefs and traditions dating dating back decades and sometimes even centuries. But every once in a while, some weird soul dies but not before requesting for their beloved family to often do some ridiculous task for them in the afterlife while they mourn. One of these Too serious too. One of these ridiculous idiots happens to be Damn. a famous name happens to be a famous name that we've all heard but maybe are not too familiar with. And I'm talking about Harry Houdini, the famous magician. Let's see a magic trick. So Harry Houdini, even after death, Harry Houdini tried to deal with magic. Sort of. So for those of you that didn't know, the illusionist died of peritonitis, peritonitis, which is the inflammation of the abdomen, and a ruptured appendix on Halloween 1926. Out of all the fucking days. In room 401 at Detroit's Grace Hospital. Grace Hospital at the oldest fuck age of 52. He requested his wife, Bess, to conduct a seance each year on the anniversary of his death so he he could communicate from the other side. He left her a communication code to assure that she was talking to him and not some other spirit. So he's like, every year... On the anniversary of my death, I want you to create a seance, which is basically get a table with a bunch of people. You know, that's often how the seance goes, and try to communicate with me. But just so you know, you're communicating with me. There's a code that I'm gonna leave for you, so you know it's me. And this code was Abracadabra. Fuck no! <laughs> this code was Rosabelle. Answer, tell, pray, answer, look, tell. Answer, answer, tell. That's what the seance would be. So she, if that's the code he left her. When you're, communi- when, you, when, you, when you're communicating with somebody, this is how it's supposed to go. I tell you one word, you tell me another. And that's how we know you're talking to, how we're talking to one another. And to Bess's credit, she did that. 
She would try and communicate with her deceased with her deceased husband every year on Halloween for ten years. Until she died. Until she finally nah, she just said, Fuck it, I'm done. <laughs> she said, Fuck it, I'm done. The funny thing is, these weird requests didn't work. Are rarely enforceable by the law. So technically, Bess didn't, because he left it in, in his will, like, you have to do this. Yeah. So she was doing it. I'm pretty sure she was doing it out of love, because, you know, her husband. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure deep down, she only did it after the first two years. She's like, fuck, I got to do it, because I need to keep my fucking, because he was a millionaire. He was he was rich, you yeah. know what I mean? So he left her a good amount of money. She's like, fuck, if I don't do it. She's like, fuck, man, I didn't sign up for this shit. Yeah, fuck. so she's like, fuck, this money, like, money ain't, like, all this money ain't fucking worth it. Yeah. But yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't enforceable by law. And the funny, interesting, and kind of cool thing is, every year, people try to contact Houdini with that same code. They do a seance on Hall- on Halloween, try to communicate with them. Where's Houdini? Where where is his remains? In uh, Detroit. Okay. In Detroit. So that's a weird, you know, that's a pretty that's a pretty interesting request. That, you know, like death requests, like once I die. I still want to talk to you. Hey, chirp me up. Yeah. The f- so like I meant like I knew how he died. He you know he died you know from a ruptured appendix you know from health problems. The way he got his health these health problems is fucking stupid. And here's a little more on the death of Houdini. So on the afternoon of October twenty second, nineteen twenty six, two McGill University students visited Houdini's dressing room. So according to reports, Houdini was looking through his mail when one of the students, Jay Gordon Whitehead, asked Harry if if he could really withstand any blow to the abdomen, as Houdini had bragged. So he would brag like, oh, I could withstand any fucking blow to the abdomen. So Harry so Harry shot his ass. So Harry responded that he could if given time to brace, to brace himself. He's like, yeah, I could do it. You know, just let me brace myself for it. At which point, Whitehead hit Houdini four times in the abdomen. He's like, really? Yeah, yeah. You want to try it? Go for it. Braced himself. Wah, wah, wah. Four times he hit Houdini. Rip shots. Mm-hmm. Under, so, he, so Whitehead hit Houdini four times in the abdomen. Under the impression that Houdini had indeed braced himself for the blows. <laughs> After the first one, he was like, hold on, stupid, you braced myself. Throughout the rest of the evening, Houdini performed in great pain. Because he, he was at a show. And he got his... He oh, got, this is before the yeah, show? Yeah. So this, so this fool just body checked uh. him. <laughs> he was unable to sleep. And remained in constant pain for the next two days. Though he did not seek medical help. When he finally saw a doctor, Harry was found to have a fever of 102 degrees and acute appendicitis. He was advised to go to the hospital for immediate surgery. Harry's like, nah, fuck it. I got a show tonight. Ain't no bitch. So instead of going to the hospital, he went to go do his show. By the time Harry arrived on stage, his fever had risen to 107 degrees. He was tired and in pain, 
and his assistants often had to step in and offer help during the show. Audience members reported that Harry missed his cues. He missed his cues and seemed kind of in a hurry. By the middle of the third act, Houdini asked his assistant to lower the curtain as he could not go on. He's like, that's it. I'm done. I can't. I tried. I couldn't go on. The show must not go on, bro. When the curtain closed, Harry collapsed. Where he was standing, had to be carried back to his dressing room. He just crapped out right then and there. And even then, he continued to refuse medical care until the next morning. When Bess, his wife, had to finally insist, like, get your stupid ass to the hospital. Harry relented, but eventually, he had his appendix removed. However, it had already ruptured, and the doctors did not have much hope for his survival. So two days later, on October 31st, 1926, surrounded by his wife and brother, Harry Houdini died. Fuck. Idiot. Houdini's funeral was held on November 4th, 1926, so five days later. In New York, were more than 2,000 mourners in attendance. That's a lot of people. Like, to put it in, like, to put it in, like, in perspective... When Frank Sinatra died, there was only a thousand people. What? But that ain't shit compared to when Michael Jackson died. That's true. When they sold out the Staples Center to so you could watch, you know, the funerary things, and millions of people traveled from all over the world and fucked up LA. Down it fucked up downtown LA. I remember that. I remember, like, I think it was a few days later where they said that thing cost the city of LA almost two million dollars. Of police, no, of police overtime. There was so many people. Cops had to be doing double shifts, bringing people for cops from all. There was millions of not, not hundreds, not thousands, millions of people LA, just posted. LAPD is like, hey, let's call up Compton, let's call up Linwood, let's call up, let's call up everyone, bro. Let's call up OC, let's call Nevada, let's call Las Vegas, <laughs> let's call Oregon, dude. They were borrowing police department from everywhere. Jeez. So he was buried in Queens, New York. At the Machpelah Cemetery with the crest of the Society of American Magicians inscribed on his grave. In fact, the society continues to hold its broken wand ceremony every November at Houdini's gravesite. So the what? Magi- uh, it's called it's called the broken wand, which is kind of like it's an homage to like magicians. You know how the, you know how magicians have a wand. Yeah. What's that called? The broken wand because the magician died. So it's like yeah. this is a ceremony that they do, and they still do it for Houdini. It's been almost a hundred years, like they ninety years, and it? they still do it to this day. Damn. His wife died twenty years later, or well, seventeen years later, in nineteen forty three. So. He died for 10 years. So he died and for 10 years every year. How's it going? He died only for 10 years? So, what the? So he, he di- died every year for so 10 he, years. So he, di- <laughs> so he died in 1926. From 1926. Well, from, from 1927 to 1936, she would go to his gravesite and try to keep in communication with him until she got sick. And then seven years later, she ended up dying, but was not allowed to be buried alongside her husband. As she had requested because she was not Jewish. The next one I want to talk about isn't really a person, but kind of a whole fucking era. 
and I'm talking about like the Victorian era, specifically about the post-mortem photographs. You guys have all seen these pictures. How what? The post-mortem photographs. After the invention of the daguerreotype, a, a photograph taken by an early photographic process employing iodine-sensitive silver plate and mercury vapor, the memorializing habits of people have changed. They've chosen the cheap, high-quality photographs instead of expensive and not-so-lifelike paintings. Painting dead people was common for centuries, so it's no surprise that in the Victorian era, post-mortem photos came into fashion. These people, when their beloved, when their family, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers died, before they buried them, they will take pictures with them, and they would prop them up using stands. This was an expensive process. So more often than night, for more often than not, that picture that they had of that that picture that they took of whether of whether with their dead relative, mother, father, was often the only picture they had of the whole family. That's right, because it's, 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 it's expensive. expensive as fuck. It's expensive. Fuck. And they would do it with children. Then they would just prop them up. They would just use a stand. So it was basically a huge stick with like two little uh like little bands. One would go around the neck or mm-hmm. just be behind the neck so the neck's stiff. Yeah. And then they'll put one on the shoulders and on the waist and on the legs. So it's then you can prop them up however you want. Mm-hmm. The majority of these pictures were of infants and children. Because children and infants were dying at a stupid fucking rate. So like I said, these postmortem photographs was a significant way. In memorializing children and brothers and sisters. And like in most of these cases, this was literally the only picture of the whole family together. And lastly, before I end the episode, I wanted to end it talking about a famous a famous poet. He's a I consider him a poet called his name is Tahid Epps. So, Tahid Epps was born and raised in college, in college Park, Georgia. He was an activist, businessman, philanthropist, and a world-renowned poet. He supported such charities, such charities as Voto Latino, which is a nonpartisan, youth-driven, multi-issue national organization founded by the purpose of creating a unified voice for Latino youth and young adults on issues that impact their lives on a daily basis. So he supported all these programs, and uh, he's gone as far as gifting a five-bedroom house to a family of 11 with nine kids. So he's giving all these properties and things to people. At the age of 15, Epps was convicted of a felony cocaine possession and thus influenced his poetry. And he's a recent guy. In 2012, he made it known to the world what he wants his family to do with his body. In one of his most famous poems, he co-wrote with one of his close friends, Omari. He stated that he wanted to be buried in a high, like he wanted to be buried in a specific store. And he goes on to demand this on his famous poem. They ask me what I do and who I do. Fucking kidding me? 
That's what you meant about fucking calling. <laughs> God fucking damn it. If you guys don't have anything else to add. I, I didn't know his real name. You're really, you're <laughs> really going to Hellheim, bro. Man, what you're the? That's some bitch shit, bro. Just end <laughs> the episode. What the Thank you, guys. We fuck? are, as always, the Weird History, Eerie Tales Podcast. Oh, my gosh.